in our family's gator and we went down behind our family property and we spent a whole day just touring this canyon of the ancients they call it and uh, had a great time together and I uh, can't remember which one's next but uh, after that one there, me hanging around all right say what did you do on vacation we hung around and uh, after that I spent some time you could say I was fishing I'm not sure I was fishing at that moment all right Lisa caught that photo and I was uh, uh, out cold but I did want to show you this picture all right I'm kind of in the way I want you to see oh boy the head got cut off I'm sad about that now, a little work may have been done to this photo. I don't know that that bear was there in the beginning, uh, but we had a great time, and, and uh, several of you said, what'd you guys do? We just had a wonderful time together. We just had the best time ever, and uh, I'm so thankful. I'm thankful that uh, I have a wife that I just enjoy hanging out with and doing fun things, and, and uh, we had a great time, but we were driving home. We got home on Friday, and, and as we were driving, Lisa said, you know, it's a good thing. Uh, I'm just as excited to come home as I was to go on vacation, and that's a wonderful sign, and we thank God for this place, for you guys. We love you. We love what God's doing at Coastline. It's fun for me to visit other churches, and we got to visit a couple churches while we were away, and uh, I appreciated them both. God's doing a great work, and we're grateful for that, but I'm thankful for the place that we call home, and uh, we're glad to be with you guys uh, once again. Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be today, so if you have your Bibles, would you please join me in turning? Matthew chapter 5. And uh, we're going to continue our, our series today, The Pursuit of Happiness. I remember when our daughter Jessica was heading off to college, and man, was that hard. Oh, that was a tough time for me as a dad, you know. It's, it's exciting on one hand, and I suppose if, if she never went anywhere, that would have been another, another reason to feel bad. But when it was time for her to go, I, I just began to think of all the things that she might have to go through and all the things that uh, could potentially bring a danger into her life. And, and at that time, she had a cell phone, but her cell phone didn't have a GPS on it. And, and so as she was leaving, I, I made sure to get one of those little GPSs that you can put uh, on your car window, and I plugged a couple addresses in there. I plugged the address to her college in there and then I plugged another one in and named it home and there on her GPS was this button that said home and I said now honey listen if you ever get in trouble if you're ever afraid if you ever get lost you push that button and it'll take you where you need to go just follow the instructions now I'm sure as I said that some eyes were rolled at me oh dad you know you're just being weird and to all the dads here today I want to say this you better be weird when it comes to your kids all right that's why God gave them a dad you're to help protect them and guide them and and uh, so I, I'm, I'm sure some eyes were rolled at me but the fact of the matter is I could have sat her down and said Jessica you're going to be moving to another place to go to school and so here's what I want to tell you don't ever get lost and that just wouldn't have worked you just can't tell someone don't ever get lost you see I knew enough to realize that that was going to be an inevitable occurrence that's just the way it goes when you're adjusting to a new place so the best I could do was to prepare her for an event that I hoped would never come and sometimes as a pastor it's kind of the same thing as a pastor, I would love to stand up and say, listen, here's the way to avoid any difficulty in life. Here's the way to not get lost in the course of life. And, and certainly there need to be messages like that. But the reality is I want to do my best as I study the word of God and seek to be an encouragement to our church to share ways in which we can recover when we feel like we've, we've lost our way. And so what I can do is share some GPS coordinates, so to speak, that will lead you to safety when the inevitable problems in life come along. And so today I want to share a location that I would like for you to plug into the GPS of your heart and your mind. Whether you need this message today or not, and I would imagine we all do, I want to share this GPS location with you so that you can be 
prepared. Today I'm going to talk about the value of making peace. Now again, I'd love to bring a message to tell you how to always have peace in your life at all times. But I haven't figured that one out myself yet. But I do know that we find a process in Scripture that will enable us to make peace. And in fact, I'm not the only one that hasn't figured out how to have peace all the time. As Jeremy mentioned earlier in our service, our world is just a cesspool of violence and wrath and anger and dysfunction. So I was preparing this message. I googled how many wars are going on in the world today. I googled something like that and I learned that at this time there are 10 wars right now being waged on planet earth and there were eight other conflicts that they defined as serious armed conflicts. If there's any topic our world can't help us with, it's this topic of how to make peace. And I know that our leaders bloviate, and I even heard this week uh, world leaders say that the world's never been more peaceful than it is today. I don't think that's true, but if it were true, what a sad indictment on humanity that this is what we call peace. So what I'm going to share with you today is something that really can't be learned by way of observation from the world in which we're living. Our world has no idea how to help us when it comes to making peace. And before we get on our moral high horse and say, yeah, this world of ours, they sure are messed up. Maybe in our hearts we could be honest enough to say, you know, I could use some peace in my marriage. I could use some peace in my home. I could use some peace in the workplace, in our community, in our nation. We could even use more peace in our church family. And so I'm really glad you're here today. Because this is a message we all need. It's a message that can help every one of us in every area of life. And I'm super excited to share with you what I believe can be helpful. And a biblical roadmap to help us traverse the very tricky steps when that peace seems to be missing in our life. Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be today. And if you're able... I'd like to invite you to join me in standing out of respect for the reading of the Word of God. Matthew chapter 5. Again, we've read through this section. We call the Beatitudes many times. And today, for sake of time, I'll just read our text verse in verse 9. And uh, if you want to read the entire passage again when you get home, I'd encourage you to do that. I think it'd be wonderful. But our study basically will come from verse 9 where Jesus Christ said this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Our Father, we thank you for your love and for the fact that as a loving father to your children who are in the midst of this world seeking to live a life that pleases you, that you took the time to sit us down programming a GPS of sorts that would tell us what to do when the peace seems to be gone. I pray that you'd help people today, help marriages today, help families today. Do that work that only you can do. I love you, Jesus. I pray that everything that's said would be pleasing to you. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated today. Our study over the last several weeks is being taken from the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever preached. It's a sermon that was preached by Jesus Christ, and it's a sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount. There adjacent to the Sea of Galilee, Jesus retreated to the hills there, and, and on that place, he, he taught people what we call the Sermon on the Mount. His introduction in this sermon is oftentimes called the Beatitudes, and, and so in these statements that Jesus is making, he's teaching his followers how to be blessed 
blessed. And really, we found that that word speaks of a happiness that's greater than a happiness in this world. It's a happiness that comes from heaven. And, and here, he speaks of how we can not only be a part of his coming kingdom, but how we can live practically these, these statements in our lives today. And so today, we come to the seventh beatitude, which deals with peace. And Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now, we've learned that these statements by Jesus, again, speak of that coming kingdom. But there's a premise to his promises. There's a basis for the blessing. We need to live today what Jesus said if we want the byproduct, the blessing, the promise to come to fruition in our lives tomorrow. We'd all love to know what that blessing's all about, what that happiness from heaven's all about. Well, there's got to be a basis for it all, and it's knowing what Jesus said and putting it to work in our lives today. And so we find that, that there's a blessing for those, the Bible says, who make peace. Now, I want to stress the importance of this topic. And it's important for many reasons, but I want to share two reasons with you why this study today deserves your attention, it deserves your notes, it deserves your honesty with yourself and with God. The first reason this topic today is so important is because none of us showed up from the factory, so to speak, knowing how to make peace. This isn't something we just show up in life knowing how to do. In fact, most of us, our parents did not teach us how to make peace because nobody taught them how to make peace. This is a learned skill. You don't gain it by osmosis. You don't get it just by virtue of the fact you're a human. We all need to be taught how to make peace. And the second reason is we live in the midst of conflict, and conflict brings chaos. If you ever wonder sometimes why our life just seems so chaotic, many times it's because of the battles all around us and within us. Lives in conflict lose their closeness with Jesus Christ. You've heard me say many times that when our vertical relationship is right, that our horizontal relationships will be right. When our relationship with God is as it should be, it will enable us to have a good relationship with others. But did you know the fact of the matter is that works in reverse? When we're wrong with other people in our lives, that also has an impact on how we relate to God. It, it, it won't make a believer a non-believer, of course, but, but it, it will affect our fellowship with God, no doubt about that. Conflict affects our prayer life. I'm saying if we don't learn what we're going to be talking about today, it will have an impact on our prayer life. Let me give you an example of that. Peter one time was speaking, uh, writing rather, and, and, and as he was addressing husbands in 1 Peter 3, he said, Likewise, your husbands, dwell with them, your wives, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. I'll read on. The term weaker vessel meant a valuable vessel, like, like something fragile and delicate, and, and that was something of value in that day. So he says, dwell with your wife according to knowledge, honor her is the valuable vessel that she is as being heirs together of the grace of life and he said you do this that your prayers be not hindered conflict will have an impact on our closeness with jesus it will have an impact on our prayer life and according to our text today we find that a lack of of of, of this of this peace that comes from god it's going to have an impact on the happiness or the joy in our life there's a blessing that's missed when we don't learn 
to be peacemakers. Now, there are a lot of good ways to teach the Bible. My favorite way is called expository teaching or preaching, where we work our way through a series of verses. Again, when you're dealing with just one verse at a time, sometimes it's a little bit different. And so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a method today to teach scriptures that I think is a little bit corny. Uh, I, I'm going to go through here and I'm going to take an acrostic. And uh, I've often thought that's, that's kind of a corny way to teach things. But I was making notes as I was going through this passage, and I noticed I almost spelled the word peace. And so with a little wordsmithing, I came up with, with an acrostic peace today to help us remember this text. So how many of you will allow me to use an acrostic just this one time? I'll probably do it again. You guys are the best. All right. So get your notes nearby. We're going to go through this. We need it. I hope you see that. Where does it all begin? Well, letter P in the word peace. And this word is the word proactive proactive. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. He wasn't talking about keeping peace. He wasn't talking about having someone come to you and and extend an offer for peace. The blessing is reserved for those who initiate the peace process. The blessing is for those who in the midst of conflict take the initiative, they're proactive and say, hey, there's a problem here, we need to make this wrong right, and they work through the, uh, to the point that peace comes. Now, I know how conventional thought works because I think conventional thoughts. When there's conflict in my life, I think, first of all, who caused this conflict? Because I want to place blame. And then when I determine who caused the conflict... And it's never me, right? And it's never you. It's always others. When we can come up with a name of someone to blame, the next thought is, well, they better make it right. I want you to know that's the opposite of what Jesus is talking about. That's not what he's talking about, all right? The Bible makes it clear that we're to go out of our way to make peace. Now, to help us see the importance and the priority of peacemaking, Jesus Christ, in the very same sermon we're studying, the Sermon on the Mount, the same chapter we're in, Matthew chapter 5, later in the chapter, he says this, just to really emphasize the importance of peace. He said, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and I'm going to read on, but he's talking about bringing an offering, an offering to the Lord. He said, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee. So you've got a conflict, a lack of peace. He said, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. Jesus said this is so important that when we are trying even to worship God, if we realize we've got a conflict with somebody else, we need to go make that right so that we can really come back and engage with God. He says, if you're bringing your offering and you've got a conflict, man, leave that and go. So if any of you leave today during the offering at the end of the service, we'll know what's up with you, okay? You're going to take care of a conflict. I do want to share with you, Jesus said, leave your gift, okay? And then go. So I thought I'd just throw that in. It might be worth a mention. Conflict robs us of joy in our worship. I won't ask for a raise of hands, because I think every honest hand would go up. But if you've gone to church much in your life, the question could be asked, how many of you have had a conflict in the car on the way to church? And how many of you, I said not a raise of hands, and some of you are pointing too, I, neither of those were, were requested, but, but you know what happens when, when we have an experience like that, we come into church, and you know what, we're singing about the power of a resurrected Savior, and sins that have been forgiven, and a hope we have in heaven, and it's just not quite touching our heart the way it should, why? Because conflict robs us of joy in worshiping God. 
And it's amazing to me how hard the devil works to get us upset with one another, even on Sunday morning, maybe especially on Sunday morning. This is precisely why I drive to church alone, by the way. I just can't afford to have a problem with anybody before I try to preach on peace. Now, peace is to be a priority in our lives. And the only way to resolve a conflict, listen, the only way to resolve a conflict is to face it head on. You can't go around it. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. But by God's grace, you can go through it. And if we want the blessing of being peacemakers, it begins with being proactive. Hey, I see a problem here. Let's deal with this. we got to be proactive. There's the P. Let's move on to letter E. And the word here is the word inquire. Inquire. Now, when it comes to making peace, we need help. I already shared with you that one reason our parents never taught us how to make peace is because no one ever taught them. And I mean no, uh, n- nothing negative towards our parents. I just want to make the point that if everyone knew how to make peace, there'd be a whole lot more of it. But there is someone to whom we can go when we need help in making peace in our marriages, in our home, in our, in our various relationships, and that's to God. We can go to God. One verse that I pray just about every day of my life comes from the book of James where, where James, the younger half-brother of Jesus, said this. He said, if any of you lack wisdom, anybody today lack wisdom, all right? He said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. James gives us a blank check. He said, if you ever need wisdom, just ask God, and he will help you. And God is the ultimate peacemaker. He's the ultimate peacemaker. In fact, we can have peace with God because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. God's plan of salvation reveals that we can have peace with God. Paul was writing to the believers in the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2. He made this statement. He said, having abolished in the flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. There was a lack of peace. There was enmity. But God, through the work on the cross, made a way whereby we could have peace with him. We could be reconciled to God. The conflict through faith and that which Jesus has done can be forever over. God is the ultimate peacemaker and because of his love for us we can have peace with him. But did you know for those who have peace with God we can have peace from God. Not only can the conflict be be ended between us and God so to speak but we can know what it is to have his peace in our lives. Paul, writing to the believers in Colossae, said this, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what a joy to know that when we're lacking peace in our lives, we've got a God who's right there saying, listen, if you need wisdom, just ask me. When you want my peace, you need to know it's there for you. When you have peace with me, you then can have peace from me. I can do this in your life. And I have found that when there's conflict in our lives, there's an abundance of bad advice. A lot of bad advice. But I can promise you today, I can promise you today that if you'll take the time to go to God and ask God for wisdom, He will, without fail, in every occurrence, help you. He will guide you. He will lead you. And listen, I know why we often avoid making peace, because conflict is something that that is fearful. 
It's fearful. None of us like conflict. And usually what we try to do is we try to employ denial when it first comes. We want to ignore it for a while. It's been said that the four most frightening words that men ever hear are these words, we need to talk. We hear that and immediately walls go up and we feel defensive and it just seems in us to to back away from, from these conflicts that emerge. But I think we are finding throughout the Bible a preponderance of evidence that God says if you want peace, you've got to be proactive and, and, and you've got to inquire of the Lord and he'll help you. That leads us to the next letter today. Letter A, we need to admit, admit. Now, God is so very careful in his word to share with us why conflicts come. And it's good to know why they come, all right? In James chapter 4, the Bible says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members. So the Bible says, let me, let me give you a little help about where are these, these uh, fights, conflicts, wars, as he says it, where they come from. He said it comes from lust that are taking place on the inside of each of us. Now the rhetorical question, where do they come from? And the answer to that question is they come from lust. Now lust is a word we almost always use in a, in a sexual connotation, but really the idea means imposing your will over that of, of, of another, in this case really over the will of God. But the idea in lust, ultimately selfishness. I want my way and I want it right now. And that selfish mindset is a mindset that creates conflict so selfishness lust as the bible would say the second way in which conflict comes is found in the book of proverbs in proverbs chapter 13 and verse 10 and this is a very convicting verse where the bible says it's only by pride that contention comes only by pride now the bible's clear on this pride and selfishness of course are very very close and if a conflict is present these are the reasons Husbands and wives, the next time you have a conflict, these are the reasons. When things aren't right in the home, these are the reasons. At work, when there's that conflict, these are the reasons. Pride and selfishness. And the truth is, we all struggle with pride and selfishness. And there can be times where we get the upper hand, we get the victory, we're walking in the spirit, but the reality is it's a lifelong battle. It's not something we can just get over all at once. It's, it's a lifelong issue. And for that reason, later, again, in this very same sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, later in Matthew chapter 7, it's a longer uh, sermon in, in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus addresses this. And, and in Matthew 7 and verse 3, Jesus said this, And why beholdest thou the mote that's in thy brother's eye? But considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Jesus says, why is it that you're so uptight about the splinter in someone else's eye when you've got a whole beam coming out of your eye? Now, I've, I've heard that verse preached, and it's always very serious and very somber. But if what I read is correct, what Jesus was giving there was actually a joke. It was humor. This was Hebrew humor, and Jesus was a Jewish man speaking to Jewish people, and they would use hyperbole and metaphor and, and incredible exaggeration to, to bring out humor. And how many of you know a good teacher sometimes can use humor to make a heavy point? 
And so Jesus here is saying, listen, you guys, you're worried about this splinter. You got a beam coming out of your own eye. Jesus, from what I gather, really enjoyed using humor to make points. Another time when he was preaching in Luke 18, he said it's easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. That would have caused people to laugh. A camel going through a needle's eye, they would have laughed. It's easier for that to happen than for a man to go to heaven. And they would have concluded, well, then I guess no one can get to heaven on their own. Jesus would say, exactly, I am the way and the truth and the life. Use humor to make a point. One time Jesus said this in Matthew 23. He said, you blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Jesus had a way of using this incredible exaggeration to put a smile on people's faces, to maybe get them laughing, and then to uh, really bring home the truth. And Jesus was exaggerating here. He said, listen, you're so concerned about that speck in someone else's eye. And you haven't taken into account that you've got an absolute beam coming out of your own eye. Listen, the point is this. If you're listening, say amen. amen. We all have blind spots. We all have blind spots. A conflict emerges and you may think, well, I didn't do anything to cause this conflict. I know you may think that, and I know that you're sincere in saying that, but one of the things peacemakers understand is that although we don't see everything, we're aware that we have blind spots, things that we're not seeing in the course of life. We all have areas of weakness that we don't see well, and listen, isn't it interesting that others can see it so clearly, you know? Sometimes God can allow other people to really help us with things that we don't even see in our lives. And I've had many times in my lives where I've had areas I really didn't think were an issue at all, but someone loved me enough to say, listen, this is an issue. And, and through their help, they kind of removed the beam, so to speak, so that I could see clearly into my own life. And I was causing an issue. I didn't even know it. I wasn't even aware of it. The point I want you to glean here is this. There is always something, when we're in a conflict with another person, there is always something for us to admit. You might say, well, they were 99 percent wrong and i would say great then start with the one percent you say well that doesn't seem fair to me listen there's no fair in this sense all right there's people that want to make peace and know the blessing of god and peacemakers aren't scorekeepers peacemakers start with themselves I'm not suggesting to take all of the blame. I am saying, however, we've all got blind spots and we've all had ways in which we've contributed in the midst of, of conflict. Peacemakers learn that you don't gain peace by placing blame. And it's always helpful if you want to make peace to say, listen, I know there's this problem and, and I know that I did such and such. I did this. And, and you can begin with yourself. If you begin with the other person, you've just got a bigger fight on your hands. That's the way that works every time. So we've got to admit that leads us to the next letter. The letter C in the word is care. Care. So we have to be proactive. We have to start this process. You're not a peacemaker unless you're proactive. We have to inquire of the Lord. God, can you help me? I need your wisdom on this matter. We have to admit or confess any wrong that, that we have done. And then we have to really care for how the other person feels and listen to understand what it is that they have to say. Now, please hear this. We think that we have conflict because there are differing ideas, and I really don't think that's it. I've had a lot of great conversations with people that had different ideas. I, I don't think that's the reason for conflict. 
If there's a conflict somewhere along the way, someone has gotten their feelings hurt. And hurting people hurt people. And when people feel as though they're not being listened to or that their feelings are of no value, they get more hurt, and that hurt in time turns to anger. And when there's anger, there is conflict. And when there's conflict, there is no peace. And so if we're in the midst of a conflict, fact is we've, we've gone through this process where one or both in the conflict have, have felt that someone didn't think their input was all that important and didn't care how they felt and wasn't listening to what they had to say. And that hurt, and then the hurt led us to do more hurting, and then that led to anger, and the problem just gets bigger. James teaches us this in James chapter 1. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. I've got great news for you today. Great news. This this can help you improve every single relationship in your life. Great news today. Here it is. If you will be swift to hear, and if you will be slow to speak, you will be slow to wrath. But if you're slow to hear, and you are swift to speak, you're going to live in the midst of conflict your entire life. The key is to seek to understand before being understood. And if that's not in your notes, maybe write that down. The the key here is to seek understanding before you seek to be understood yourself. This is what peacemakers do. They come to the situation understanding there's a conflict, and they really begin by saying, listen, I know I had a part in this. Forgive me of my wrong. Would you help me to understand the situation from your standpoint? Obviously, I'm missing something here. And what you think and feel is is of value to me and your opinion matters to me. Would you help me understand what's on your heart and on your mind? I need to know where you're at in this situation. In every conflict, there's a measure of fear. There's a fear of being misunderstood. There's a fear of being dismissed. The, The fears go on and on. But what tends to happen in a conflict is we think our fears have merit. And we tend to think the fears of others have no merit. And so we go through the fears in our own mind of of how we feel this may be playing out and and what other people may not really be understanding. And we tend to think, well, my fears are legitimate. My fears make total sense. And without saying it, we are thinking, and your fears, well, they're just stupid. No, I would never do that. You're worried about that. I would never do that. My fears are legitimate. Your fears, well, they don't make any sense at all. We, We say things when people say, well, you know, I just feel like we say, well, you shouldn't feel that way. Which is absolutely unhelpful when someone is saying, but this is how I feel. You could tell them don't feel that way all day long. But they're telling you, this is, this is what I'm thinking about this. And what happens is we rationalize. Everybody say rationalize. We rationalize our position. But when we rationalize our position, what we really do is tell ourselves lies that we think are rational. And that's how we get to rationalize. And we justify ourselves in a a defensive posture rather than really opening up and saying, I want to know what's going on in your mind. I want to know what's going on in your heart. If we don't care enough to truly listen and discover what the other person is feeling and why they are feeling that way, we're never going to get on the path that leads to peace. And so we've got to care And that leads us to letter E. 
And the word here is the word edify. Edify. I like the word edify. It's a good Bible word, but it's a great word. The word edify means to build, to build up. And when it comes time to speak, you've cared enough to listen. When it comes time to speak, can I encourage you to use words that build up rather than tear down? Think before you speak. Be careful about how you put the words what's on your mind. Use words that build up. Paul in Ephesians 4 made a great statement when he said, speak the truth. In love. And listen, I, I've heard some of you say it. I've heard it said. I've probably said it. Uh, well, listen, I'm just saying the truth. You can say the truth in a caustic way that corrodes a relationship. Truth without grace is so harsh. But when you say the truth with love, it makes all the difference in the world. Speak the truth in love. You're never persuasive when you are abrasive. Well, I told them, you, you made no difference at all. You made a bigger enemy. You made a deeper divide. I told them, no, you got to communicate with them. Edify. It's possible to have a position that is correct, but to have a disposition that is so ugly that your point doesn't matter. Have I told you before who likes to know it all? Nobody likes to know it all. Have some humility. Be humble in how you communicate with others. One of my favorite verses on communication is Ephesians 4.29, where the Bible says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. The word corrupt in that verse literally means cancerous, corrosive, degrading. Don't use words that are going to just tear people down and eat away at them but use words that are seasoned in grace, that are good to the use of building up. We, listen, we live in a day of blame. We live in a day of blame. Congress blames the president. The president blames the Congress. And on and on it goes. And gridlock is what happens. And frankly, gridlock in Washington doesn't bother me too much. As far as I'm concerned, the less they do, the better for the rest of us. But at any rate, in a marriage, that can be a real problem. When we play the blame game and gridlock ensues, Many relationships are broken today because the tone of the conversation is just not conducive to healing. The tone. Solomon said, a soft answer turns away wrath. He didn't say an answer turns away wrath. A lot of our answers stir up wrath. He said it's a soft answer that turns away wrath. How you say what you say is, is as important as what you say. And I could add to that, when you say it, is important also. Ladies, when you climbed in the sack and your husband's getting ready to doze off, that's a bad time to rehash an old problem, all right? Timing is of great importance. And so how we say it, when we say it, it's so important. To know the blessing and happiness of being a peacemaker, we need to be proactive. Make the first move. Well, it's your fault. They were 99% wrong. Oh, you'll never know the blessing of a peacemaker that way. Be proactive. Make the first move. We need to be inquiring of the Lord. God, I've got a problem here and I need your help. This world can't teach me how to be a peacemaker. They don't know how to make peace themselves. This world's in chaos. Ten wars, eight armed conflicts, and they say this is a peaceful moment in world history. God, I need your help. I'm inquiring of you. We need to admit that we've contributed to the conflict. 
We need to admit to that. We need to care for the other person enough to seek to understand their hurt. And then we need to use words that build up rather than tear down. We need to be interested in edifying the other person. Now, I'm sure the list could go on. But I want to encourage you to seek more for the restoration of the relationship than the resolution of the conflict. Because the fact is, we're never going to agree with everybody on everything. Listen, peace never comes at the, at the compromise of truth. That's something else. But when two people have a legitimate disagreement, did you know that you can have unity in a relationship without uniformity? Everybody in life doesn't have to think like I do or do things the way I do. Uh, uh, how boring would the world be if everybody were just like me or if everybody were just like you? Variety is, is okay. There's no one in this world uh, I love more than my wife. Man, we had the best time last week. And we, I mean, we didn't do anything. We didn't spend a dollar out there. We just had the best time ever just being, being around one another. But if ever there was a human on God's green earth that is different than me, it's her. When I'm cold, she's hot. When I'm tired, she wants to go for a run. When I want to cook a really delicious gourmet meal for her, she's not hungry. I may have made that one up, okay? <laughs> but we're just as different as two people can be, and I really believe that's what makes us a great pair. Difference, okay. My goal in life is not to make other people like me in the midst of conflict. My desire is to dwell with them according to wisdom. To learn to work through whatever comes along. To work past whatever would needlessly hurt a relationship. Many of us long for a blessed marriage, a blessed home, blessed relationships. You will not have that blessing if you're not a peacemaker. Don't be a fault finder. Be a peacemaker. You know what I love about this? I can do this. I don't always want to do this. I don't always like doing this. But I can do this. God, how much would it be if I wanted a, a blessing? Make peace. I can do this. You can do this. I wonder how many marriages on a scale of 1 to 10 would climb up a number if just one of the two would say, you know what, I'm going to be a peacemaker. I wonder how many homes would become a happier place if people determined to make peace. I wonder how many job settings, how many office environments would just be better because a peacemaker showed up to work that day. What a joy. We can do this if we will. You're not a victim. You have the power of God to make peace. You're not a victim. It doesn't have to stay the way it is now. God can use you to make it better. No, not to make it perfect. To make it better. To improve. To grow. Would y'all be so kind as to join me in standing this morning? Let's bow our heads in a spirit of prayer. Our Father, we are thankful that you're a God of love. 
Lord, we're thankful that you're a God who did all that needed to be done so that we could have peace with you and that by your grace we can have peace from you. And Lord, as we know what it is to have that peace, we can extend it to others in our lives. And Lord, we're thankful today that by the power of your word and the power of your spirit working within us that we can employ this message in our marriages and they will improve today. We can employ these truths with our children and our parenting will be better today. We can make our workplace better and our community better and our church better. God, I pray that we'd be known as the children of God because we're notorious for being people that make peace. Lord, I pray for those that are hurting today peace would not typify or identify their home, the relationships in their lives. And I pray, dear God, that you would embolden them, encourage them, fill them so that you can allow them to begin to bring restoration, reconciliation into their lives. Help them in every way. May they leave today feeling like they received another tool to put in their, in their tool bag. Lord, something that can help them how we need you. Our heads are bowed this morning and we're in a spirit of prayer. I wonder how many today would say, Pastor, that was a message that I think was helpful for me. There was a truth in there I needed to hear. There was something said today that I believe can help me to know the blessing of being a peacemaker. Are there any like that this morning about testimony? Just a raised hand. Pastor, there was something in that study for me today. Very good. Thank you. You may put your hands down. I wonder how many today would say, Pastor, there's someone or a situation on my mind. And I've been waiting for a resolution. I've been waiting for reconciliation. And really today, God's put it on my heart that I need to be a peacemaker. Uh, maybe you're thinking of a family member you've had a falling out with. Maybe it's a, a problem in a relationship at, at home. I don't know what it would be. But I wonder how many today would say, Pastor, really, I, I, I believe that God brought someone's name, a situation to my mind, and I need to put this message to work in my life post-haste. Are there those like that this morning? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. You can put your hands down, and I'd say do it for the glory of God, for the good of the peace it'll bring into your life and the blessing that will follow. Do it. It won't be easy. It'll be awkward. It'll be hard. It's frightening, but it's wonderful. Do it. Do it. Don't wait. Do it. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, you talked about a God that we can have peace with and that we can have peace from. And I want to remind you that all of these statements that Jesus made, they were building and it all started with the premise that without God's work in our life, we really can't know the joy of these other things. God said, you've got to be poor in spirit, admit you've got a need for me, you've, you've got to mourn or, or see the sin that caused the breach in the relationship, you've got to be meek enough to lay your power down to know what my power is all about and and I want you to know the peace that we long for has to begin with a relationship with God whereby we know what it is to have peace with Him and from Him, and then we can extend peace to other people. And maybe you're here today, and that's the, the part you're not certain of. Let me ask you this way. If you were to die today, do you know for sure you'd spend eternity in heaven with God? And if you're unsure, the great news is this. The ultimate peacemaker in all of the universe loves you so much that He was proactive. He was the prime mover. He saw the need. He took the lead because He loves you. 
I wonder, are there some here today, and I, I haven't pointed anybody out, I certainly won't point you out, but you'd say, you know, Pastor, I'm just not sure I have that kind of relationship with God. And, and if someone could know that they have peace with God and from God, I'd like to know that. And, and you could think of me in prayer today. I'm just not sure I have that relationship with God. Are there those like that this morning? Pastor, pray with me. I'm just not sure I have that relationship with Him. Pray for me. Maybe there are other needs in your life. You've been saved and not yet scripturally baptized or God's putting it on your heart to unite with the Coastline family by way of membership. We're going to conclude our service today with a time of prayer. Ryan's going to lead us in a song and as he sings, you can sing along if you know the words. But really, I, I would hope that all of us would go to God in prayer asking God to help us to be peacemakers. If you want to pray in the front, that would be wonderful. I'll be here with others that serve with us. If you'd like someone to pray with you, if there's a spiritual need in your life, we'd, we'd love to pray with you. Maybe share a verse with you that can be an encouragement. And again, whether your hand was raised or not, if you're not sure that heaven would be your eternal home, man, we'd love to share with you from God's word how you could be sure of that. So as the singing begins today, let's go to the Lord in prayer.